This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey there, this is Matt Leggetti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more and they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free, which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, uh, I'm Grant, and uh, you're a listener. Thank you. And today we have uh, one of my favorite people. Uh, You may know her for her work on Commander Rao, which is, by the time this airs, it will be currently in stores. Yeah, in the Scout yeah, yes. online store. Probably mm-hmm. around the third printing, I'd say, at this point. Yeah. I hope so. I mean... <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, it's Fellhound. Hello, Fell. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. I am so stoked to be here with the Heartthrob Grant. Like... <laughs> That's what I keep telling people. I'm true. <laughs> I know this is, is not a visual medium, but it rings especially true because we are both in onesies. Uh, Fell has on a bat onesie, it has wings and a bow tie, Uh, and I've got on a Chewbacca onesie with a pocket that doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, we are comfortable. Mm -hmm. We gotta be dressed for the best for a Mm -hmm. podcast, even though you can't see us, but... (laughs) (laughs) Visual medium. I think we need to work, we need to get a public access show next. Right? Or like, just have like, just like when you post the podcast up, just have like pictures. Ooh, you know what? Do you want an executive producer credit? I mean, I like the sound of executive. <laughs> I've never been an executive before. Hot dang. Yeah. Uh, so number one, uh, we're going to switch gears. I just want to say, how did you come up with your uh, pen name? Because I'm privy to your real name, and I think that's hilarious that I know this real name, and oh, a lot I of people don't. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so why, where did Fellhelm come from? 
Yeah, so Fel is actually um, uh, named after a character from a video game called Planescape Torment. I don't remember the specifics, but there was this character, um, and they belong to this race of people that are supposed to float above the ground. So they're always like kind of flying. But then there was this one guy whose name was Fel because he doesn't float around. Like, he just walks around. And so he's different. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I like that. So I was <laughs> like, I'm going to call myself Fel. And then at the same time, uh, I was uh, I was in college and I was doing a course on, I think, animal exercise. And I had to do a presentation on like dogs and hounds and how they exercise pretty much. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I'm doing a lot of stuff on hounds. I'm just going to call myself Fel Hound because it sounds cool together. It yeah. does sound cool. It sounds like you could be a, a motorcycle protagonist. See, that's that's the image I want to give out. Because, like, you know my real name. So you know that it mm-hmm. sounds like a flower shop. And mm-hmm. you've put that name next to Commander Rao. It mm-hmm. just, like, it's just the funniest thing ever. So I was like, <laughs> I, I cannot use my real name. It just, it just ruins the, the fire, the badassery of everything I'm trying to achieve. So I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll, just, get a, I'll just get a pen name and it'll be great. <laughs> See, that's a great idea. I, I know a lot of people with weird names, me included, wish that we had chosen cool pen names too. I mean, it's never too late. If you want to jump into another medium, you can write under, I don't know, what's, what's a cool name? Rex Manley? Yes, or like Ramble Fightmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Ramble Fightmaster, I think, is the best one I've heard to date. <laughs> You should use it. Use it before someone else listens to this and takes it. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, so now that that's out of the way, Fel, where'd you grow up? So I grew up, I tell everybody I grew up in Toronto, but my secret is that I actually grew up in a city right outside of Toronto. Oh. Yeah, but no one knows any of the cities outside of Toronto, so I just say Toronto. But around the GTA, yeah. Well, I, no, I, I must know. You know what a Markham is? Markham. Yeah, see. I feel like I know it only because I've been a fan of the NHL for a while, and some player must have grown up in Markham. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of hockey players that end up playing for the Leafs and everything, so probably. Oh, wow. But yeah, so that's where I grew up. I was actually born in Hong Kong, but I came here when I was three. And to be honest, I haven't visited Hong Kong in quite a bit, so I'm starting to not really remember what it's like there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember it's really hot, and the air conditioning is really cold, so it's really hard to find the right body temperature, because you're either freezing or you're, like, sweating. Food is really good, and the shopping is really nice. (laughs) So do you think you'll you'll go back to Hong Kong at some point? See, I really wanted to, and maybe, who knows, maybe I still might. I just feel like, because, you know, the political situation in Hong Kong right now, they have this thing called, like, a national security law. Where if you run your mouth accidentally and say the wrong things, they will just arrest you. Oh, no. I feel like I would definitely be that kind of person. So I just got to be really careful if I go back. Yeah. Well, or you could go back to Markham. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a really nice place. I mean, you know, we have we have a fairly large Asian population here. A lot of people are from Hong Kong. So it's kind of like a, a Hong Kong light almost in Canada. Like we oh, have a lot rad. of stores, a lot of like Hong Kong bakeries, Hong Kong canteens and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite food uh, from the Hong Kong community? 
so they have so we have these bakeries and they have this thing called pineapple buns i don't think they're actually made out of pineapple oh thank god <laughs> yeah I, I see everything. <laughs> but but um it's actually it looks like a pineapple because it's like this this like round bun and it's like scored and it's yellow so but it's really sweet there's no real pineapple in it don't worry and it's like just this this really really nice kind of crosshair bun thing is that something that I don't know? One could hypothetically mail across uh, borders. I mean, possibly. I'm just scared they'll like squish it down. Oh, and that would lose the it. yeah. Yeah, because it needs to be fluffy. But like, I don't know if there's any Asian bakeries in Boston. There might be. If you go to any Asian bakery, you will find a pineapple bun. I'm going to make note of that uh, because this does. I like the sound of something without pineapple in it, and it's trying to be pineapple. Yes. I mean, I think it doesn't have pineapple in it. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, but... You I don't just know put like a single thing. bullet in a six-shooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should eat it and find out for me. Maybe they make it different in Boston. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what I'd like to know is, at what point during your childhood were you fascinated with the art? Um, so I've always kind of doodled my whole life. Like, I have sketchbooks upon sketchbooks upon sketchbooks of just my really old doodles Mm -hmm. and I don't know I just I just like doodling like I was put into an art class really really young with my sister as well so then we used to like draw together a lot and that was just a pastime of ours my mom also used to be an artist so she yeah she had a lot of life drawing photos and like um (laughs) I'd get her to draw things for me like I had this like art book full of Gundams and then I remember bringing it to my mom, being like, "Hi, mom, can you draw me this like super complicated Gundam?" And she's like, "Sure." And like she did, and it was wow. really, really pretty. Oh wow! Yeah, those are not simple. They are not, but yeah. So like, I don't know. I guess we've always been kind of an artsy family on my mom's side, and we just kind of got into it. Um, my sister was actually uh, way more into it before I was. Like, she's an actual. Like, went to an illustration school, graduated, worked freelance illustration for, like, magazines and banks and everything. So, oh, wow. like, she's the real deal. And then, for me, I didn't really get into, like, actual, I guess, serious art or, like, comic book art until much later, until I was, like, 20. And I think about that time, that was when I was, um, do you know the show Gargoyles? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they canceled it after second season. Yeah, like just after all the the Oberon and Avalon stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. they, it was like such a huge cliffhanger because then you know they had such cool stuff they they were gonna set up for season three, but then I found out that they actually continued the series in the comics. So then I like searched the world to find these Gargoyles comics, and they're like stupid hard to find now. Oh wow! But I finally found them, and I felt like that was the moment I kind of fell in love with comics because like I. I traveled to so many comic book stores before I found these comics. And at that point, I got introduced to, like, so many other comics, just, like, walking around the store being like, oh, this looks cool, and this looks cool. And then, yeah, I think that's how I really got into actual comic book art, just seeing that and being like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> like, what did, did you find out retroactively that Gundam were in manga? Did you know, like, that was a thing, too? I did. So I watched a lot of the anime, Growing mm-hmm. up, because I think Gundam Wing was broadcast here in America, or not? Yeah, America, <laughs> the Americas. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. North America. 
same things, yes. Um, I actually own, I think I only have like one Gundam manga. I'll be honest, I wasn't really into it for the story because I was eight. I mostly was like, robots. <laughs> robots. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just because Gargos is the best, which one is your favorite character? So I actually really like the bad guy, Xanatos. I think really? I think he's a very well-rounded villain. I think he's smart. He's like Lex Luthor, but I don't hate him as much as Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he's smart, he is capable, and he's like not the worst. You know, he, he had like, I'm trying to remember what the show happened, but I just remembered that I thought he was a very complex and well-written villain. Yeah, yeah. And that his goals weren't entirely just evil, mm-hmm. and that he had his own kind of, way going about things so that's what i kind of like uh another weird question do you remember the episode where lisa maza turned into a gargoyle no i don't i don't know it's been a while since i've seen it oh it's on disney plus i need to rewatch it yeah you do because this whole question was going to be did you think gargoyle lisa maza was attractive Okay, well now I have to Google it. Maybe, well, you know what? Maybe I can I Google this now? Or... Oh yeah, we can edit out any silence and post. This is okay. worth it. Five hours later. Oh, well, okay. I mean, she just looks like Elizabeth a gargoyle, so it's not like a big difference to me, though. <laughs> She's always pretty. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> like a massive change. Because there was, a, I remember there distinctly. Well, not distinctly, but. Now that I'm an adult, I remember hearing about people be, like having Goliath thirst. And they're like, that guy's just a big, beefy, deep voice. And I'm yeah. like, well, you know, at least Amaza Gargoyle, she was attractive too. Honestly, they're all kind of fairly attractive. Like, everybody loves Demona as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not unattractive. No, not unattractive kind of, monsters. No, he kind of looks like Iron Man. He's like Iron Man meets Lex Luthor. <laughs> you know I'm what? I'm sure some people find that hot. Oh, yeah. And plus, it was uh, Jonathan Frakes did the voice. Uh, number two from Star Trek The Next Generation. I, I don't know celebrities. I'm sorry. I watched, I've seen five movies, and I know five people. <laughs> I think those people are Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Uh, so let's say that they're shooting a live-action Gargoyles movie, and Kristen Stewart got hired to be in that movie. What character would you hope that she plays? I mean, I guess Fox. But... Then you have to see her with Xanatos. Oh, that's true. But, like, I don't hate Xanatos. That's a thing. I mm-hmm. like Xanatos' character. And, like, if Fox ever, you know, turned gay mm-hmm. and with a lady i think the tools would be okay with it you're just like yeah you know what this is the most i've ever thought about xanatos <laughs> i have his action figure it's like literally right there you can't see it but it's there <laughs> that's amazing so from the gargoyle comics getting you into comics which other ones did you read uh after that uh so i read saga mm-hmm. and i read batwoman elegy and i read walking dead uh, I also read a, what else? I think those were the three that really got me started on the mm-hmm. comics journey. Um, Batwoman Elegy probably is the one that influenced me the most, given the giant poster on my oh, wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Stitch Williams doesn't mess around. No, I was like, 
I had no idea a comic could look like this. Like, it was so well done. And I was like, I didn't even know that there were gay superheroes. I was like, what? So, like, just seeing that for the first time as, like, a baby gay. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. I am I am represented. This art looks beautiful. The story is great. And it just kind of makes you want to do something just as awesome one day. <laughs> is that kind of what got you into wanting to do your own work? Kind of. Um, so I've been writing for a very long time. Like I've been writing since grade school and I've always liked to tell stories, but I, you know, I never really thought about making it a comic cause back then I couldn't draw very well. So, you know, I wrote a ton of scripts, mm-hmm. but I never really thought about drawing them myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to write these scripts and then I don't know what I'm going to do from here, but I'm just going to write them anyway. Um, and I wrote a lot of short stories, but those weren't very good either. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think after seeing like Batman Elegy and all those other comic stuff, I was like, you know, I think this is a very comprehensive medium to tell stories in because you're not stuck with either just motion pictures or just words. Like you can combine both and you have like so much leeway to do what you want. And you know, they say picture tells a thousand words, and I think there's some things that are better told visually than just with words alone. So then at that point, I was like, okay, well, I am a broke college student. I cannot afford an artist, so I will just learn to draw and go from there. Like, how did you start that that process? Did you buy any books on how to, like, format comics, or did you get... Yeah, uh, I didn't buy a lot of how to make comic books. I mostly bought how to draw books, because I, like, couldn't really draw that well. Like, a lot of my fingers looked like really pudgy like I had the like the bun hands with like pudgy Simpson fingers that was mm-hmm. the kind of what I was doing so I really needed to learn figure drawing and anatomy and then after I kind of got some of that down I, I like backgrounds is something I still struggle with to be honest but yeah you know I think you know I started out drawing traditionally and then I learned a lot of like figure stuff from there but then once I um, started doing digital work that's when I kind of learned you know how to color things how to kind of sort of draw backgrounds or at least cheat them enough that people won't be able to know the difference and like actually putting a, a decent looking comic together <laughs> yeah what was that transition from traditional to digital like I've been kind of playing around drawing with a mouse on GIMP when I was still doing traditional stuff so I had like some experience um, I think the biggest thing is just learning how the program works because I use Clip Studio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's a fantastic program, especially if you like know the ins and outs of it. It's so comprehensive. It is such a great program. But I think that was the biggest learning curve, just figuring it out how to do everything. <laughs> yeah, and like there's still stuff I'm figuring out now. Like I like vector lines. I almost never use vectors, but apparently it's super useful and I should use them more. So What the shit is a vector line? It's like a, so if you draw and you like expand it, then it won't like get blurry because it's a vector and it uses math to make it not blurry. That's kind of a, how you, I explain it. <laughs> no, that's wild. Yeah, right? Math. So you made the the transition from traditional to digital. You've done some writing. You've done some of your own stuff. When does Captain Fix-It come in? So Captain Fix-It, that was from 2017. I think that was the... I've made a couple, like, really short comics before that, like, four-pagers that looked really awful and I never showed anybody. 
Actually, no, I posted them on Reddit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was very brave back then. And I posted these like awful four page comics on Reddit. And I took them down now for oh. Yeah, But it's okay, because one of those four page comics uh, is actually the basis of Project Ollie. So I'm pretty much redrawing that four page comic and turning it into like a 60 page comic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but Captain Fix-It, yeah, that was May 2017. I think that was when I kind of had a grasp on some figure drawing, and I was like, I need to learn how to just, like, compose a story. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it came in. And I'll be honest, it's not, like, my best artwork I've done traditionally, because it was really made to just try and tell the story. And I wasn't really concerned about, like, everybody having, like, two dots for eyes and a smiley face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think after that, that's when I kind of realized that if I had more tools at my disposal, I could do things faster and I could do things better. Because okay. I never learned how to color traditionally. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, markers and everything. I just, I don't know why. I just, my, my head just doesn't compute in Copic markers. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. weird. Because mm-hmm. so, Captain Fix-It is a black and white. Yes. So when did you start working on Do You Believe in an Afterlife? So that was in 2019. Um, literally, like, right after I made Captain Fix-It, I bought a tablet, I bought Clip Studio, and I started, like, making the jump to digital. And for in 2018, uh, I mainly focused on just learning how to use the programs and doing a lot of illustrations. I wasn't really worried about making comics. And then mm-hmm. after I got my illustrations to a point where I felt like, okay, this is not terrible. And I could probably start focusing more on storytelling. Uh, then I think in 2019, I wanted to do still just illustrations, but illustrations that focused more on story. So like a narrative illustration. And then I made six of those. I posted them online and people found them and people was like, oh, this is so cool. Is it a comic? Is it going to be a comic? What's their story? And I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on making it a comic, but since people asked, I thought, okay, I'll just turn these six illustrations into a comic story thing. And that's kind of why there's like all these prose bits in between, because it's kind of mishmashed together (laughs) from the art and the comics and just trying to fill in a story without getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Well, the story was is really solid. Well, like, how, yeah. Well, you're welcome. Uh, how much of plotting for that did you do? So, from the six illustrations, I had like a, a basic idea. I think it was mostly just filling in the dialogue that to like flesh everything out. That was kind of the um, hard part, I guess. A lot of that I kind of just wrote. Like, I just wrote banter. I just wrote, like, a ton of dialogue. And then I just kind of picked segments that worked well together or, like, picked kind of pieces that worked well together until something of a theme came. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I just kind of plopped them in the book together and it just kind of came together. Sorry, I know that's not a great explanation, but it was just, <laughs> my process is, like, very chaotic. So, like, I, I'd, like, draw something, and then I'd, like, write some dialogue, and I'd draw something and write some dialogue, and then, you know, I look back on it a couple of days later and was like, okay, let's see what fits together, and then just, like, put it in. <laughs> no, that's really, it's really cool to hear that, because it feels like that style of creation works well when you're working on, like, digital creation, too. 
because of mm -hmm. Clip Studio, you can like overlays and move stuff around. And I'm yeah, oh, sorry, I just thought, I'm just started using Clip Studio, and I'm like, oh, this it, you can do this, right? Like, there's so much stuff you can do. It's 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 nice, and I think it does allow for a bit of that experimentation. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't look like something, you can just move it around. And, yeah, it just makes my life easier. Yeah, and when do you have time to do this? So, I only work part-time in my paramedic job. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I work a couple days, like a weekend and a couple weekdays, and then I take a couple days off. And, yeah, so I kind of split my time between making money and drawing <laughs> making money and losing money yeah pretty much <laughs> um but yeah like before i had like a pretty solid schedule um but ever since i got my my injury i've things have kind of slowed down a bit because i don't want to like overwork myself so i was doing kind of two three pages a week now i'm doing one page a week but yeah trying to get back up to speed have you used any of that experience as a paramedic with your your uh, creative work? Um, to be honest, not really. I, I do kind of like to keep those two jobs separate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like I draw so I don't have to think about work and I work so I don't have to think about art. <laughs> and when did all the Commander Rao stuff start? So after Do You Believe in an Afterlife, um, I was pretty much looking at my portfolio and I was like, I now have this creation that is very lovely and soft and romantic and mostly features two people just staring at each other for the entire comic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I missing? And I was like, oh, I don't have any like action pieces in my portfolio. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make an action comic. And I didn't really think much about it. I was like, okay, this is going to be a practice piece. And I was actually talking to Frankie White about it and i was like yeah you know i think i'm just gonna make this comic and release it out for free online and hopefully i'll get some attention he was like no you should kickstart this you need to make some money and i was like you know that's a great point i love money so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i was like okay so i made this um pretty much i didn't even have a script i just kind of like outlined it and then I thumbnailed it and then I was like you know I'll think of all the dialogue after and then I just drew it and I was like yeah I want to draw something that looks cool and actiony and inspired by anime stuff and I was like okay let's do this how in the world did you plot did you out the knife throwing sequence so that um I like I said I watched a lot of like anime fight scenes and in a lot of really cool anime fight scenes, they're always like the shot where like they throw something and it, it looks like it's coming at you and like everything is very dynamic and very visceral. And from another artist, um, I think they go by like Vanished Shadow online. They draw a lot of like Buff Lady arts, but they're like very, very cinematic arts. So I kind of studied how they were drawing like very cinematic illustrations. And I was like, okay, I combined everything together and then I was like, I'm going to make a very cinematic shot of a very dynamic knife throw scene, which involved, I guess, like, you know, um, doing that. I don't, I can't remember what it's called, but that blurring effect yeah. where like you blur something and then something looks like it's in focus. So I played around with that because I think it looks cool. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I feel like there isn't really a scene like that in a lot of comics. So I just, if I have a comic that's 90% fight scenes, why not just take my time and use like, I don't know, two whole pages to throw one knife. <laughs> well, that's as wild as that it worked out super well. 
Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm, I'm fairly proud of that page. I, and especially with large squids sound effects who just like made it pop. I'm like, honestly, those two pages are probably like the, the, the main two pages of the whole book. If I were to summarize it in two pages. Let's say you go to your favorite uh, Hong Kong bakery, you order that pineapple cake. And right when you're about to take a bite, a genie comes out. And the genie's like, hey, so do you want to be the best artist in the world? What would you say? Well, what's the catch? You'd be like, oh, the catch is whenever you pet an animal, it turns inside out. (laughs) Huh. Here's the thing. I don't really pet a lot of animals in my daily life. I know it's shocking, but I feel like if I do pet an animal accidentally and have it turned inside out, that would make me feel really bad because it's probably somebody else's animal. (laughs) I just like completely mangled and destroyed. So, hmm. I don't know. I feel like being best artist in the world, that's a very subjective choice. Because like, what is best? Is it like my version of best? Is it your version of best? Let's say it is better than Jim Lee on both a stylistic and economic standpoint. You had to include the economic standpoint. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, hmm. And I'll, no. I'll even throw this in. The animal feels no pain when it goes inside out. It just looks, the process is horrifying to watch. And it's, it's disgusting alive? and sliming after. Is it still alive? Oh, yeah, absolutely. reversible in any way? No, oh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's non-reversible. Oh, man. You know, I don't, I don't think I can do that to an animal yeah like like my girlfriend loves cats and if we ever get a cat and i turn a cat cat inside out okay some cats some cats are nice though you have to be very careful about what cat you have and like cats don't shed as much they wouldn't shed at all if it was inside out (laughs) yeah but it'd be slimy and i have blood everywhere and like if i feed it do the does the food stay inside does it just plop out no let's say that I like where this is going. Let's say that in order to eat it, you have to mash up the food and like rub it in its stomach area. Oh my god. See, that sounds very involved. I don't really want to do that much work. <laughs> so the cat, you you just lay food out and it just eats. You don't have to like rub its belly. So what you're saying is you don't want to be the most financially successful artist in the world because your girlfriend might want a cat. Yes. The things I do for my girlfriend. <laughs> I hope that you play this episode for her. I will. I will. We'll listen to it together. Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas, and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award-winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, 
smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? Alright. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. Uh, these are five questions inspired by James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio. There are five. I believe that you know what they are, but we're just going to go right into it. Are you ready? Go for it. Yes. So what is your favorite uh, sequential art comic book sound effect? So I really like Woom Pew Pew. Uh, I know that's a very, like, kind of odd answer, but pretty much when I showed um, Commander out to my sister and I asked her what she thought of the book, her first response was, boom, pew, pew. Like, that was all she texted me. And I don't know why. I just thought that was, like, such a cute answer. And I was like, oh, this summarizes my book really well. I'm going to use those two sound effects to, like, I just associate it with the book now. So I just think it's very cute. And I think it, like, I don't know. It has, like, it's a cute sound. It's like explosions. It, and then pew, pew. Yeah, it, could, it yeah. sounds like someone is firing a laser gun. Yeah. Like, everyone loves Everyone loves a good pew pew. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be like a violent pew pew. It could be like laser tag. So, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Number two, what is something about the medium of sequential art that you love? So, I think I like that you can pretty much, like, I think you can do so much with a visual medium that you can't really do in words. Like, it's, there's so much you can display and there's so much kind of like, like conceptual and interesting and, cool stuff you can do like look at jh williams you know batwoman and look at like um dave chisholm's um canopus or chasing the bird like i think those kind of really cool layouts where they just it, it's not just sequential art it almost looks like an illustration almost and having that aspect still be able to tell like a very strong story visually i think that's what i love about the medium that you can just you can just you don't have to write things you can just draw it and have it be very cool yeah absolutely <laughs> words are hard yeah words are hard they are very hard <laughs> number three what's something about the medium of sequential art that you hate i mean it did give me a repetitive strain injury so that's probably <laughs> yeah it wasn't just the comics but it was a part of it so i guess that's the only part i don't like it's mostly my fault because i didn't take enough breaks and i was not smart about it but you know i feel like a lot of people they do have like crunch and deadlines and i think part of the industry depending on where you go they don't understand that art takes a really long time mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that those deadlines aren't very reasonable <laughs> it's a lot of work yeah mm -hmm. and number four what's your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word I don't know. See, I try not to swear when I'm like in front of people. So I'm trying to think what curse words I do use. Well, just um, like if, if again, uh, Jack Foster said his favorite one is fudge. <laughs> I say flip and I say duck a lot. So probably those. Oh, uh, shuck. You... Like, oh, shuck, something like that. <laughs> uh, I would like flip and duck used in a sentence, please. Oh, flip. Um, man, I can't be put on the spot like this. <laughs> words are hard. Huh. Um, are words ducking hard? Oh, flip. I dropped my duck. <laughs> That's my final answer. Oh, duck. So, my flip. Phil, I got some bad news for you. Oh, no. 
you you just died. Uh, a a duck flew into your mouth and, and get it got lodged in your throat. I always knew it and like this, but all right. Let's say <laughs> let's say that you you go to heaven and you arrive at the pearly gates. And waiting for you there is uh, the man known as Jack Kirby, Jacob Kurtzberg, and he welcomes you. And what does he say to you? See, I, I don't know because I don't actually know him that well. I, I'm terrible and I'm so sorry. I know he's like the biggest name in comics, but like, I don't even know what the guy looks like. I'll probably just think he's a random dude. And then he'll be like, hi, I'm Jack Kirby. And I'll be like, oh, okay, Where, where's, where's the food? Is there a... <laughs> It's heaven. <laughs> I get a celebration party. I just picture you like, there he is. He's, just, he's like, hand out, waiting to shake your hand. He's like, hi, I'm Jack Kirby. And you're like, oh, uh, good for you. Uh, where? Where's the bathroom? I'm really hungry. Where? Where is the food? Like, I hate to say it, but I feel like that's how it might go. That but like, is... you know what? I, I think I think it might take a while to settle in that he's like the Jack Kirby. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know people. I don't know celebrities. You only know, you only know five people. It's okay. Yeah, and like three, like I said, three of those are Kristen Stewart. So. <laughs> I'll ask Jack Kirby, being like, hey, have you seen, have you seen Twilight? <laughs> <laughs> I like this, putting him on the spot. Yeah, roles reversed. Uh, Fel, where can people find you on the socials? On the socials, yes. So I am mostly available on Twitter at Felhound underscore. But uh, if that's too chaotic for most people, I also have an Instagram at fell.hound. And those are probably my two biggest social medias. I also have a Tumblr. And if you search fellhound, it'll probably pop up. But I don't really use it that often. <laughs> but I'm there if you, if you want. Mm-hmm. And what if people want to give you money? So if you want to give me money, uh, Commander Route should be released in comic book stores November 17th. And if this episode is released by the time the book is in stores, then you can ask your local comic book shop to uh, order Commander Out. It is a very cool action one-shot, and you get a full, complete story, and it is, it's very cool. I already said that. I just want to emphasize it. <laughs> and it, That's it's, how cool you know, it is. 44 pages for $5, so it's worth your money. Um, and if you don't want to go to your comic book store, you can also order it right now from the Scout Web Store. Uh, yeah, there are retail var- variants available. I hope so. Actually, by the time this this airs, I hope the variants are available because they're really cool. They are very cool. Content and Jim Eros did the covers, and they are very very cool. And everybody should throw money at the book. And so- yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. This was so much fun. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff.